Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles, chapter 2. That's 2 Chronicles, chapter 2. And give me an amen once you are there. And Father, we are so grateful for your love. We love you because you first loved us. Thought upon us, Lord, even when we were in our mother's womb to this day. You love us. You care so deeply for us. You're the God of the fatherless, the God of the widow, the God of the brokenhearted and the outcast. And Lord, we're here tonight because we love you and because it's good to come into your house and we all want to learn from your word, Lord. That's why we're here. Teach us something new tonight, Lord. Holy Spirit, guide us. Pour out your grace, Father. Give us humble hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. All right, so in our story, as you know, uh, the Lord is blessing King Solomon, the new king. Um, and, uh, and so the Lord is with Solomon, and Solomon is with the Lord. Wonderful relationship going on between the, the new king, the son of David, and the Lord. And so God is blessing him, and Solomon, like his father, is desiring to build God the temple and he's about to do so or he is doing so and um, he wants this place to be a place where God's people can come and worship and honor the Lord a place where uh, the people can get together on the appointed feast and remember how good God is and so Solomon is really stoked about uh, building the church he's really happy that's that means to be happy and excited um, he has already selected 70,000 men to carry burdens and another 80,000 men to go to the mountains and curry out stones for the temple and another 3,600 men to oversee the the project and so he's already on his way and uh, we uh, were in the middle of him of us reading a letter that he writes to King Hiram. King Hiram is the Phoenician king which is modern day Lebanon north of Israel uh, uh, in a city state called Tyre and so King Hiram was a was a good friend of King David. And, and we know that Lebanon is known for its beautiful cedar trees. The Lebanon flag today has a cedar tree on it. And so it's, they're known for these beautiful, beautiful pines. And they're also known for their artisan work in woodwork and building palaces and houses and whatever you need to build out of wood. So they're very, very uh, good at those things. And so he wrote a letter to King Haram saying, you know, you were friends with my father. You dealt with him. You blessed him. You provided wood for him. Now please provide, do the same for us, uh, for me. 
And uh, he lets him know that uh, the reason uh, for the building of the temple is because he wants to honor God and, and, like I said, have a place for the people to come and worship. And we begin in verse 5 as we continue. This is the letter that he wrote to King Haram. He says in verse 5, And the temple which I build will be great. For our God is greater than all gods. And I like that. He said that the temple... Uh, that he's going to build is going to be great. And, and Solomon is not saying that like in a boastful way, like I'm building, I'm the one building God a great temple. But what he's, what he's saying to King Haram is that because God is great, we're going to do our best to give him a great temple, right? Because God is so magnificent and awesome and great, Solomon is saying I'm going to put in my best efforts to give God a great temple. And that's a beautiful heart that he has. He's showing uh, King Haram his heart, his love for God, his dedication to the Lord. And Solomon is, is just saying, I'm going to give God my best efforts. He's going to get a, a great house. And, you know, it, it, it is a Christian um, virtue to want to give God our best to want to give God when it comes to our service to him our life our relationship towards him that it's it's the best quality that we can possibly give him that our service is with the best efforts and with the idea of this is for God and God is great and because he's great and I love him I want to give him just great service i want to do a great job for the lord jesus was asked one time by a lawyer what is the greatest commandment and in matthew 22 verse 37 jesus replied you shall love the lord your god with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind this is the first and great commandment nothing has changed Christianity, as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, we should be desiring to live a life where we want to give God our best, our best efforts. In our jobs, we should be giving God our best. At home, in order to have a peaceful, loving family, godly family, godly home, we should be putting our best efforts into making it great under the Lord. And our service here to God, we shouldn't look at it as mundane or something small, but to look at it like this is for my great God and I want to do a great job for him because it displays our love for him if we do a great job. And some Christians have lost sight of that. But Christianity, what is it? It's a bunch of people who have decided to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow him. Our lives are no longer about ourselves. That's why when we were baptized, we were letting the world know what has taken place in our heart. We have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live. But the life that we now live, we live for Christ Jesus. When we get plunged under the water, we're saying that's it to the old man or woman. And we come out. And the life we now live is for the Lord. 
And we want to do all things well for our Lord. And so, I am so convicted at Solomon's dedication. If there's anything that that God has tried to really teach me and impress on my heart is how important it is to do the best job I can for him. And I think our church would be in a, in, in a, in a you know, better off today had I learned that lesson earlier. Think about that. If we had always gone 110 for the Lord, percent how how many people would be touched with the gospel we don't want to be christians with that wasted talent gifts not being used wasted gifts we want to we want to get in the fight we want to get in the game put skin in the game and 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 get off the bench and go forth because why because we serve a great god like like solomon said i'm going to give him a great temple and through Christ, we can do that. God can change all of our hearts to be more determined, more dedicated, more um, conscious about doing a great job for him. Because after all, Jesus is worthy of it. When he was born, they brought him gold, frankincense, myrrh. They brought him gifts from day one. We are here to honor you with our gifts. And so it continues. Paul would say in Colossians 3, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Me and uh, Pastor David and and, and, uh, Joe were reading Praise of the Plotter, by Warren Wiersbe. It's an old book I hadn't touched and I read it, you know, 18 years ago. But man, it was so good. And a plotter is one who, who walks through the mud. And how at times the Christian walk is that way. But we learn to persevere as we walk through the mud. We learn to be more like Christ. We learn to, uh, to, to, to experience contentment in what others would call mundane work or just same old, same old. It's not same old, same old. If it's same old, same old, then our devotion time with the Lord is what is hurting that in turn, you look at the day in, day out service of the Lord as mundane. It is not, it is exciting. And in our jobs, you may not like your job. You might think, man, I need to get out of my job. Well, if God wanted you out of your job, I'm sure that he can miracle you out of it. But since you're still there, at least for tomorrow, he still wants you there. And if you're there, say to the Lord in the morning, I'm going to give you a great job today. I'm going to do a great, my boss is crazy, I don't like my boss. It doesn't matter, I'm going to do a great job because my great God put me here. And he's testing to see if I'm going to do a great job. Unto him, not unto man. And so, 
And the temple which I build will be great, for our God is greater than all gods, Solomon said. Now, Solomon said our God is greater than all gods, not because he believed in other gods. He said that our God is greater than other gods because King Haram believed in other gods. So even in his letter, he's witnessing to him that there is one God, not many gods. The other gods are the imaginations of men's mind and hearts. Oh, you would lose friends totally if you said that at work. Wait a minute. I know a Hindu and they're the sweetest person. You know, just, it's not real. It's the imagination of men's hearts. That's what the Bible says. I don't say it. The Bible says it. There is only one God. And he's saying in this letter, God is greater than all other gods. I just, just throwing a seed out there for King Haram that you might realize that Jehovah God, the God of Israel, is the true living God. And the other ones are not. The Israelites... Uh, they pray a prayer often, daily. They have throughout their history called the Shema. And Shema, uh, they believe, means to listen. To listen. To hear, to listen. Shema. To them, it's been like their Our Father prayer. Like the Our Father prayer to the Christian church is huge. Well, the Shema is huge for, for Israel. And, and uh, what it is, it's a, it's a quoting of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, that says, Hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel, Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. Monotheistic, not polytheistic, one God, not many. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. They said this, right? And as Christians, we too believe in one God. We believe in one God. We, we believe in the triune God. That's what makes us uh, unique. God created man to be a, a triune being. We, you, myself, he created us to be body, soul, and spirit. And that was our fallen state until we gave our lives to Jesus. When we are born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, you must be born again of the spirit and of water. When we are born again, that gets reversed. No longer are we body, soul, and spirit. We become spirit, soul, and body. Things are made right spiritually the way they were before the fall. Spirit. Now we wake up and we say, breakfast, is not, breakfast would be nice, but how is God doing? Where before it was just breakfast would be nice and what do I want to do with my life? But when we are born again, one of the signs that you've been born again is that you are now waking up yeah, you still want breakfast, but, but God is in, in your thoughts and in your heart now. Something inside of you is telling you, say hello to your father. It's the spirit of God. 
So we serve a triune God, one God who is in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three are spoken of as being God in the scriptures and of being one. Jesus uh, said uh, in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, speaking of the Holy Spirit, who is God, said in John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, and he that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He refers to him as he, because he is God, he is a person, he is the Holy Spirit. And he is the spirit of truth. And then speaking of the Father, Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. In John 14, 8 through 10, Philip said to the Lord, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. When Ananias and Sapphira lied to the apostles and to Peter about how much money they donated or they held back some of the money, but they said, oh, we donated all this to the church, but they didn't. They lied. They held some back. When they were found out in Acts chapter 5, Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Well, it remained. Was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God, lie to the Holy Spirit. And then Peter refers to him as God. Paul would write to the Colossians in Colossians 2 verse 9, for in him dwells all um, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so don't let them try to confuse you. It's all there. I believe it. And until I'm in heaven, I'm not going to necessarily know how it all works, but it's going to work. Amen? When Jesus was baptized by John, it says that as they prayed and he came out of the water, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came upon the Son in the form of a dove and the Father said, this is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. All three are pictured there. All right. Our God is greater than all gods, but who is able to build him a temple? Since heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him, who am I then that I should build him a temple except to burn sacrifice before him? So, so what a beautiful question. Who is able to build God a temple? Who? Think about that. 
Who can be his architect? Solomon is showing great humility here. God cannot be contained, he said. The, the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him, uh, the, the creator of, of all things, right? It can't, and nothing can contain God. So to think that anyone is worthy to build God a temple, it's folly. No one is worthy. None of us are able to build God a house. Same is true today. All the things that God asks us to do, none of us are worthy to do any of this. But He is so good. And we are His children. And by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, our faith in Him, He makes us worthy. He makes us righteous. He makes us holy. And then he says, go for it. And we're able to touch the holy things of God and give him service here in his house. Share his gospel. Trample on serpents. Step on scorpions. Authority over the enemy. And nothing can touch us. Oh, God is so good to give us that blessing. You need to take advantage of it before it's too late. Because the time is coming, Jesus said, when no one can work. And right now, not only are we serving the Lord, but we're also building up rewards for ourselves in heaven. What we do in heaven, what you do for eternity, matters what you do now. So if you do nothing and you make it into heaven by the skin of your teeth, you know, I remember, you know, John Corson did this one time, but I mean like a jar, you know, maybe a little cappuccino glass. Picture a cappuccino cup. If you fill it, is it full? If you fill a cappuccino cup, with water, is it full if you fill it to the top? Yes. yes. Cappuccino. 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 From the hood, we call it cappuccino. <laughs> cappuccino. But then you get a big gulp, or you get a barrel, and you fill that to the brim. Is the barrel filled with water? Yes. Both are filled. Both are blessed. But the capacity of that little cappuccino to enjoy heaven, it's in the state of a small cappuccino cup. Still blessed. Still full. Still in heaven. But the rest of us who worked for the Lord while we were down here, we'll just smile at them. Say, oh, aren't they having fun? And we have, we have cr craziness good times because we served them while we were here. Both full, but the capacity is different. Mm. Who is able? Who is able? What can you give to someone who has everything? What can we give to someone who has everything? God has everything. What are you going to give God? 
That's like anybody who like gives tithes and thinks, I'm doing God a favor. Oh my goodness. No, no, you're just giving them back out of thanksgiving, showing them that you know, that he knows, that you know any money you have comes from him. And you're just giving it back. You ain't doing him a favor. In fact, we're not doing him a favor. Psalm 50 says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and its fullness. God owns everything. So, I mean, Solomon, really? Thanks for the building. What can you give to God who has everything? The one thing that God wants. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.